0: All right, all right, all right. Greetings, earthlings. Yes, who is it? It's the zero hour. And uh, you might know who I am. This is your co host, it's Mark Fierce. And who's my girl?
1: I'm Christine Chapman, your host.
0: Welcome to the zero yeah. hour. Aww. And on video, thanks to Will. Willie T Productions, who happens to be our guest. Give a shout out, Will. Say what's up.
2: What's up, everybody? This is a bit of a different experience for me. I am live switching this video recording as well as answering, hosting, and doing a bunch of other things. So it's another checklist on my podcast bucket list. So this is very exciting. I love being guests on podcasts. I'm trying to do more of this. So anyone with the podcast, hit me up.
0: He's on the ones and twos. He's on the wheels of steel, right? If you're an 80s rap fan, you know what that means.
2: (laughs) All right. So, y'all, um,
0: Today's episode or today's conversation kind of hits home with me a little bit, right? Honestly, Um, we're gonna talk a little bit about, well, a lot about, right? The next while, hour or so. We're gonna talk us about some mental health, right? We're gonna talk about bullying. We're gonna talk about the effects of these things, right? And I say it's kind of near and dear because I was bullied, you know, and it's no fun. And I was the the kid at the bus stop in the wintertime going, oh, I wonder where everyone is. And then they come out of the bushes and they whitewash me, right? And they put snow on my face and down my pants. So um, when we were talking to Will Tarashuk, Will, did I pronounce?
2: Perfect. That was pure perfection. Tarashuk. Amazing.
0: Fuck's sake. Hell yeah. Can I get a hell yeah, Will?
2: Hell Yeah. All right, it's don't so, close. Was,
0: so when I was, thank you. So when I was talking to Will, rather, when Christine and I were talking to Will, uh, it kind of struck a nerve with me. Um, Christine, what do you got?
1: I think um, I think Will has a couple of really important zero hours that, that as he tells his story, are going to really s- strike home with a lot of people. And I think it's sort of a universal reality, especially in today's age. um, And I think we've all either been bullied or had someone in our midst who um, has been bullied. And I think what's interesting, um, having had it happen in my own family, with my own children. One of the things that I did not realize as a parent was when you are in that situation as a young person in today's contemporary world, because of the realities of social media and whatnot, you can't really escape it. I don't know if that was the case. Like you could, you know, I I think when Mark, you and I were growing up without wanting to age us, right. um, We could go home and we could forget about it and do whatever we needed to do. That's not the case in today's world for the generation that is our children's gen- generation. Right. And I don't, I don't know if that was the case for you. Will. so wait,
0: wait, do you, you, you go for, I the know, I'm
1: sorry. go for the jugular way
0: too fast. You know, the wolves gotta unpack, gotta let it marinate, gotta build up ahead of steam. All right. So All Will, right. Will, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with something. Uh, that you said to us in passing, right? And I caught on to it. I, I'm like Cliff Clavin with like silly details. Um, and it starts at a very young age for you, as, 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 a, as, a, as a baby, as a child, as a, as a, as a two or three-year-old. Talk to us about what your parents kind of figured out when you were very, very young.
2: I think you're referring to the selective mutism Right, and the um the uh the fact that I didn't talk in public spaces, which ironically made me like the most popular kid in kindergarten. Who would have thought the kid who didn't talk had the most friends? Um, so yeah, as a little kid, you know, I was diagnosed with anxiety. Um, now nowadays, like anxiety is is, as common as the common cold. Um, I'm diagnosed with anxiety, dude. Yeah, I feel like almost (laughs) everybody is uh prescribed something for anxiety. But no, this was like. Real deal. And as we talk about in high school, like when I had anxiety, like my I lost a bunch of weight. You could see the veins popping on my arms. I was shaking at lunch, like actual legitimate anxiety paired with OCD. Yeah. So not only was I anxious, I was constantly thinking and like, like like being arguing and yelling at myself due to anxiety. So someone's like, Oh, I have anxiety? Well, yeah, I'll get in line. Who doesn't? And it's an, it's an yeah. emotion, right? Anxiety yeah. is an emotion everyone feels. But this was like extreme anxiety to the point where I was in public restaurants. I was in movie theaters at the mall. I wouldn't talk out loud to strangers. I would only talk to my mother. I would only talk to my father. I only talk to my brother. When I was yeah. in school, I went into kindergarten. Um, I would only talk to certain kids. You know, as a kid. How, named- how old
0: are you when you? Okay, hang on. You know me. Let's back it up a little. Absolutely. So I'm um, So did your mom and dad? Did they raise an eyebrow? You know, I Oh, moved. yeah.
2: No, right. my, my, my mom don't sniff out. My mom sniffs out everything. My mom is like the smartest person in the world, especially when it comes to our children. She knows right. something's wrong before I do. So they took me to all the doctors, and I don't know the specifics because I was so little, but they, I got tested for pretty much everything. Like okay. I, I didn't have like neurological disorders. I wasn't on the spectrum. None of You're that. You're a freaking genius, dude. Right? That's the, that's the other spectrum, bro. Other <laughs> yeah. Spectrum is-
0: Genius. Like for all
2: right. for all intents and purposes, I was a completely normal child. I just had severe social anxiety, and I would only talk to specific people. Crowds just freaked me out, which is the exact kind of irony because, like, I talk for a living now. But yeah. like, yeah. if if I had a kid from school come to the house for a play date, I remember I remember my very first play date with Drew. The kid was amazing. Um, I talked. Are you serious? I, yeah, I do. I remember my very I, I remember my very first play date in kindergarten. The kid came over. And he was shocked to hear me speak because it was one-on-one setting, right? I had And you had never spoken in school. And I had never spoken in school. So he's like, oh, like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, you know, we played in the backyard in my sandbox or what have you, made a mess of my blocks in the living room. Like, I, I remember arguing with my mom about what zero plus zero is. I couldn't believe zero plus zero was zero. So I was arguing with my mother while my kid was, kid was over. What is zero plus zero? So, like, all of that is, like, a core memory of, like, you know, just- how certain situations I could overcome that anxiety. But like I had kindergarten, and typically when you have birthday parties, you invite the entire class, at least yeah. for the boys, all the boys, the girls, all the girls. Yeah. So I had like all the, go- all the boys in my class come over for my birthday party in kindergarten yeah. with like, a, with like a, a, a clown and a bunny rabbit, and I didn't talk because there was too many people there. But people who were in that class were, who saw me one-on-one, they are like, come on, well, you can talk. Like in, uh, in class, we had to give like the weather, like today it's sunny, tomorrow it's gonna be cloudy. When it was yeah. my turn to do that, I would whisper into someone's ear and then they would say it out loud for me. So like there was kind of small ways for me to overcome this and then fast forward to yeah. first grade, maybe midway through first grade, I started talking out loud.
0: Interesting. So so I have, I have a bit of a personal story to share uh, with regard to social anxiety and speaking out at, at a young age. Uh, I too talk for a living, right? I'm in sales, I'm in software sales and that's what we do. We stand up and we present and we, you know, do our thing. I uh, couldn't get out two words in my youth without stuttering. Like I would stutter and trip over myself, right? I would trip over every other word. And in middle school-
1: Sorry, I don't believe that. It's crazy. Right?
0: Did you also know, who's the guy who does, uh, who's Darth Vader? James Earl Jones. He is a world-renowned stutterer. Really? Yes, check him out, Google him, Wikipedia. So I'm in middle school at seventh grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, and they have me in speech therapy classes, right? And the object of speech therapy classes is to get you to speak, right? And of course I am so self-aware, right? So self-conscious. So Mark, uh, talk to me about like your family. I'm like, good, fine, yes, no. Anyway, I, I grew out of it, right? Uh, I'm not sure if it has to do of a competency, an age thing. You know, your brain doesn't develop fully until like you're 22. I think in my case, it's a little later, maybe in my 50s, I'm still developing. <laughs> but um, I remember I had this, this kind of plaque in my room. And a plaque in my room said, be sure brain is engaged before putting mouth into ear. And what that meant to me was, know what the hell you want to say before you say it, or also comes out like a stutter. So, yeah, we grow out of that shit, dude, and good that you have as well. Mazel.
2: Yeah, it took a while. <laughs> I, remember, I remember being so proud of, my, of myself now. The first day of second grade, Miss um, Sheehan, the greatest teacher who ever lived in Braintree Liberty School, um, had us go around and introduce ourselves, like just your name and who you are, right, whatever. And I remember yeah. when it came to me, this no problem, my name is Will Tarashuk. Bam right oh, and like cuz right. i wasn't nervous this it just happened cuz if i'm there it's yeah. just like all right now i can continue on with the rest of my life now they ha- I, I was medicated um and Who is it, was, it? and i don't i don't know what it was called it was this, it was this disgusting liquid that um my mom would put in sprite and that's pretty much what started my like soda addiction <laughs> like like I, I i still love root beer and soda to this day and like i started drinking soda to take that medicine that little liquid medicine to help me talk in school. Yeah. So that's not a little fun fact. So thanks mom, got me to it to Sprite.
0: Yeah, there you go. What's what, what's mom's name? Let's give her a shout out.
2: Uh, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Lisa, what's up?
0: Thank you. Um, I'm sorry, Christine, I have dominated the first moments of this conversation. No. Um, did you want to chime in on on something more specific? No,
1: no I'm good.
0: All right, shit, all right, let's do it, Will. Do it. Um, Are we ready? Yeah. Oh, are you ready to unpack?
2: Yeah, that, that's all the happy stuff. It's gonna get it's gonna get a little sad. It's gonna get a little heavy and
0: all right. We'll see what so happens. Hey, Will. Did um I know you spent some time in Hofstra. Did you grow up in Long Island?
2: No, I grew up in Braintree, Massachusetts, South Shore. Sorry about that. You grew up in Long Island. Oh no, Long I, Island. I, I, I much prefer growing up there to Long Island, please. I did I did five years in Long Island, that was plenty. Um so
0: Will later in life right, uh, in high school, right, freshman year. Um, talk to us a little bit, Will, about, and, and like give us a detail, man. Like you were in high school, you had some issues with some friends, there was like some, he's not the cool kid anymore. Um, walk us through that a little bit, how that made you feel, and like what we learned from that, or what you learned from that, and how that made you stronger.
2: Well, that, that was necessarily what made me stronger. So, yeah, I had a great group of friends. You know, I was the one who kind of always added the new friend groups. So it was like three or four of us through elementary school. Sixth grade, we add another kid. Seventh grade, I add another kid. Eighth grade, we add another kid. And then ninth grade is kind of where it all kind of broke apart. Eighth grade things kind of broke apart. So I just want to do preface this, that the bullying I had um, was very, I guess, modern day would be very, like, normal. Right? And I don't want to demonize the kids who bullied me. That's not what this is about. These kids these kids are not bad kids. you know, like we have since buried the hatchet with everything that happens. So what happened with these kids isn't the like, worst part of what happened here. It's how I reacted going forward with my new friends is really where the damage got caused. So basically, the TLDR is like, I had this group of friends. High school happens, you know differences happened. They want to hang out with a different crowd. I was seen as like, a, like an anchor. Like, I didn't like drinking. I didn't like doing these things. They wanted to get into crowd with like girls and they thought I was going to be like a reason for them to be held back. I was a weird kid. I was a goofy kid. I was an annoying kid. I wasn't necessarily the most popular kid. So, they pretty much were just like, listen guys, if we want to climb up the social ladder, we got to cut some dead weight. And I wasn't the first kid that got cut either. I was probably the third or fourth. So, if it was really just my turn, and, like, as I suffered this bullying, like, it is something that we did to another kid and that he didn't go to Braintree High School. He went to a different high school. And, you know, like, that's something I also have to live with. That, like, that what happened to me is something that I was a part of with another kid. And it's something I also prevented and wanted to stop. But, so, like, this, to me, this bullying was very normal kid stuff. And it's really what happened after that because it broke me. It destroyed my confidence. It took away all my things of like, this is me as a leader.
0: And like you're 15, right? Like I'm thinking. thinking This is freshman year. This
2: is freshman year, so I might even be younger, right? 14. 14.
0: My kid kid is going into freshman year high school right now. And I think of the same shit. You know, and I know and Christine thinks about that with with her kid who's going into a new school, with her eldest who's away at school. Um, You know what, what's, I forget the stress, I'm, like, I'm just like, You're friggin' high school. What stress do you have? You haven't done anything yet, you know? And like, I'm so far removed from it now. And then I say to my kid, I'm just like, what are you gonna worry about? You get three squares, you play hockey, you get your dress nice, you got nice hair, you got good skin, thank you for your dad, for that? Well, mom too. But, you know, like, Will, you, you just said something in the beginning of this fresh, in the beginning of the story, how it affected you later in life it's like PTSD right That shit is real, right and you don't only get it from being in war, right you get it from being in life Well some right. would say life is war right so we'll walk us through not walk us through just tell us how that PTSD, that bullying, that friendship that how that led to like rejuvenating and going out again and like you know my mom would say put on your best face and put on yourself and like get back out there that's friggin' hard right yeah
1: and can i can i just interrupt for a sec though before you go forward i the other thing you said will was that this is pretty common stuff today right and the reality is it it shouldn't be Right? Absolutely not.
2: It it shouldn't be. But like I I say that because I don't want people to think I'm a victim, right? Like for that bullying. Like if you're gonna feel sorry for me, don't feel sorry for me for my friends being like I'm a Chris Rock you, dude. Anymore.
0: you ain't Chris Rock. You're not a victim. Good. Right. I'm glad
2: you said like that. I I I didn't think of my well maybe as at back then I did. Like if you want to feel sorry for me, like there's plenty to feel sorry for me for for what I did later on. But for for those for those kids, pretty much ditch me to the curb. Like in spring, so this was like around March that it finally clicked for me. I was like, "All right, I got like a month or two to really kick it into gear, or else I'm gonna be inside with my mother all summer, right?" But to your to your point, Christine, like, no, this shouldn't be normal. It should it should not be normal. And it,
1: it is very but common. It is very common. So, yeah, and, and I, I do I, I do think it's a,
2: and I see it all the time. And I but I do I do think it's a part of growing up. Like bullying is a part of like everyone's been bullied, right? I am not special for being bullied. I am special for how I reacted to that bullying with my new set of friends, right? So I want—I do want to make that distinction very clear.
0: Um, we're going to get there.
2: Won't we're going to get there. But in terms of the bullying- Don't ahead, Willie T. Yeah, but in terms of bullying, yeah, it sucked. The bullying was terrible. It, it ruined my confidence. I didn't know who I was. I lost my identity, right? That's essentially what it was. I lost my identity, and it took years to get that back. We're talking through high school, into college, and to some extent, a little bit after college to fully feel like I am myself again. right. And a lot of things led to that. And it started with this because it did trigger those emotions of for years, my anxiety was in check. It was like a few things of, you know, I was I was scared to do a trumpet solo for my drum for my lessons. you know, I was scared, scared to-, to do that too. Right. But it, but it was very normal things to be afraid of that my anxiety made worse. This was like, oh, your anxiety is back and it's going to control you for a little bit. So buckle up. It's going to suck. Right. So that's really what it did and what happened to it. And I do think a lot of those wounds were self inflicted, which we're going to get into.
0: So, so just one, one other comment. So, as you're having this bullying scenario going on, You're 14, dude, you're at height of like puberty and feeling awkward and your voice is changing and you got hair growing. And now why don't we just fucking pour some more gasoline (laughs) on top of this, right? Let's throw in a couple of shitheads from school who are making me feel bad, right? Yeah. And you struggle with that internally and you're talking to Lisa, right? You're talking to your mom. You're talking no, to your No, actually.
2: No no no. I shut oh, I, sh- I shut my mom out because why? well there's there's many reasons why. Because you're a teenager, right? You don't want mom okay. you don't want mom and dad meddling in your problems. That's and, I get it. There and there and there, and there there may have been circumstances where like if my mom got involved with my friends at that time, I felt like it would have made things worse. Like you don't want to be that kid where your mom calls a friend's mom and go, why aren't you, why isn't Evan hanging out with William? I'm my dad, dude. Been there. You know what I mean? Like dad. as, as a kid in high school, you don't want to be, you don't want to be known as that bitch, right? You want to be a man and kind of handle things on your own. So I very much shut out my parents Ooh. and that Ooh. caused a lot of strain. On my life at home which made things worse because my mother is just like me she's got the exact same anxiety the exact same flaws your boys got over here so we butt heads all the time so I was not I was not talking to my mom if anything I was wrongfully blaming my mom right you know you know what's, what's
0: interesting about not talking to your parents so there's there's it's funny raising kids you' like raising kids and then you get to you get to a certain level you know everything that's going on in their life Every single day. Then crickets. You know nothing. nothing. And I'm in that crickets area right now. Because I'm the type of dad that will fly off the handle if a boy is messing with my daughter. Ooh, sweet Jesus. Right? Like I'm going to that kid's house and I'm talking to his father and I'm talking to the kid. Right? And now I get it a little bit more why they kinda of shut me up, because that's gonna make it worse. Yeah.
2: And my yep. and my mother and I, we worked very, very hard, more more her than me, if I'm being completely honest, on rebuilding that relationship. And I remember maybe my junior year of high school when things were really at its peak of shit, I told my mom, I was like, Mom, listen, we hate each other now, but as soon as I go through college, get a job, and like things kind of settle out, we're going to be back. We're going to be best friends again. And yeah. that's pretty much exactly what happened. Me and my mom right now are very, very close. I can go and call her, talk to her about anything. And that yeah. kind of developed through college cuz i you know i had to grow up and mature a little bit too i had to yeah. fe- i had to figure this out on my own and i took that burden on my own and i do not i do not regret that i do regret some of the arguments my mom had you know i regret a lot of things about me mom and my mom does too but that again do you again-
1: regret not being able to like ask for the support or for a sounding board or like i think about all the ways in which i try to be helpful and i'm not always successful as a parent but like I wonder if your mom knew and your mom knew to like keep quiet and just not try to solve the problem, but be there for you, would, would there have been a little less like anxiety? Would you have felt supported? Like, and I ask that as a parent will, because I know that my own kids are going to go through that, right. Or, or some version of that, or that it's normal and that it's something that they're going to
2: witness, right. Well, I, I very much tried to set those boundaries, right? I very much tried to say, hey, stay out of my business. But my mom with her own flaws was very, very hard for her to do. And to an extent, she had the mindset of, listen, I'm the parent. You don't get to tell me what to do. To which, to a certain extent, looking back, I totally agree. So do I, re- do I regret not bringing her in more? No, because it's not what I wanted, one. Two, I wouldn't have listened anyway, And three, the end result ended up in a good place. Now, if I ended up in prison or I ended up in an alley somewhere and as a junkie, yeah, that regret would be a a whole hell of a lot more. But I'm doing damn well for myself. So, no, I do not regret not letting her in more because it wouldn't have been effective and it's not what I wanted. And I think as a parent, it's very, very hard to do that, much easier said than done. But I think you need to respect those boundaries as a teenager is going through that process.
0: Hey, hey, Will, we, we we didn't touch on this during any of our preps, but how was Dad involved? Was Dad in? Dad
2: was stuck in the middle, man. Dad Not was right. in a rock and a hard place because we'd have arguments, yeah. my mother and I, sometimes he'd yeah. take my side, sometimes yeah. he would take her side. And yeah. that caused strain between their relationship, it caused strain between me and my mom's relationship. So Dad, yeah. Dad, God bless him, did the best he could. And I honestly have no critiques of Dad. Uh, my dad is my hero. My mom is also my hero. My dad, definitely because of how he handled the situation between both of us, dad mm-hmm. was the voice of reason. And mm-hmm. dad had the impossible job of choosing between his wife and his little boy. And then my older brother as well. I also have an older brother. Uh, yeah. He did a very good job of not being involved in as little as he could because he's like, listen, man, this ain't my fight, right? I'm also going through high school trying to get into college. Got my own shit to deal right? with. He's got my yeah. own shit to deal with. He has his own, fr- own issues with his own friends, right? Yeah. Different but the yeah. same. So he also did a very good job of not getting involved. And that might have caused strain on him. But if it does, he didn't show it. And, you know, but again, I think a lot of that is kind of part of the natural process of growing up. Like, Christine, you and your kids are going to go through some version of this. Mark, you as well. Just, you can only do the best you can. So when I say a lot of this is pretty ordinary, like, bickering with your parents as teenagers is like, well, yeah, duh. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's going to happen. It's impossible not to.
0: Um, well, I, I'm looking at the. I'm looking at some notes that I have. Um, do we want to go into summer of 2012? Are we ready for that? Are we ready? Is, yeah, or is, is, is yeah, yeah. More, yeah we're more ready. That?
2: Yeah, I, I with, I withheld some details from both. Though. I you. I might have shared one detail by my left or another one. So summer, yeah. summer of 2012 is where my zero hour kicks in. But a little, context, right, So little context so, before that, though. All right, please. Yeah, see, so f- freshman year in high school, you know, I am down to the wire to make some friends. I do, first of all, luckily I made one. And that's okay. uh, Bobby. 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 So and Bobby, Bobby as well as Ross are two kids later who literally saved my life and caused me to go into the place where I had my zero hour. So yes. um there was Bobby. I had friends with him over the summer. Um, going into that that September, uh, we added in Ross. And um, from there, it was the three of us. You have right? a really good memory. Dude. You dude, have a really good memory. There's, 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 well, there's some scars here, right? There's, a lot of, there's also some guilt yeah. here, too. Uh, yeah. right. so, right. so it was the three of us, right? So I have this three group of friends. So like things are good, things are better, but the back of my mind, that anxiety is still there of, what if it happens again?
0: That's with you, right? Right, yeah. because
2: Ross at the time had a girlfriend. Um, yeah. but you know there was always that thought of Ross was a cool kid. Like I, Ross was a really cool kid. Everyone liked Ross. He had a great personality. So there was like my biggest fear. It's going to sound silly, but my biggest fear going into sophomore year of high school was where am I going to sit at lunch. That's, that's
0: reality, man. Right? Like,
2: but, like, looking back, it's ridiculous. But, like, who, who yes. am I going to sit normal. with? That's normal. It is normal. That's normal, too. Right? But, like, I would, I would text, like, Bobby and Ross, like, hey, like, when's your lunch? I like, Can I sit with you? It's like this, you know, like, I was yeah. asking permission for a lot of things. And, like, as we go into new classes, I made new friends. And yeah. I had this thing. So, with philo- psychology, it's called reassurance-seeking behavior. And if okay. you okay. have anxiety, reassurance-seeking behavior is going, hey, are we good? Are we good? Like imagine you have a fight with your spouse and every five minutes or every few days you go, hey, we're still good about that fight, right? Like everything's okay. Like, hey, like oh, it's, I can imagine. it's all I can right, imagine. right? Like yes. and like I would I would get into these patterns of I need you to tell me that everything is okay. I need you to squash my fears. Like I will I will notice these things. I'm hyper aware of like these little petty things that I can't even remember of like I'm scared of where I'm going to sit at lunch. And like, there's friends I would try to make that I would try and confide in and send like these paragraph text messages to like a fucking girl, <laughs> if I'm being honest, saying like, I'm just, I'm really scared about where I'm going to sit at lunch. I'm really scared about like losing my friends again. I'm really scared about this. And this kid was just like, dude, like, relax. It's not going to happen. Right? Like, chill out. Like, we're like, your, your friends. This, that, and it. I would do this to Bobby. I would do this to Ross. I would do this to other kids, you know, like in my classes. And like, that. That really messed me up because I would do that knowing that one, it's annoying. Two, it's not effective. Three, it's not gonna work. But like all the reasons I thought that my original friend group dumped me is exactly the same thing I am doing to these Ah. new friends, right? You're in a pattern. You're in a cycle. I'm in a cycle, right? So the anxiety kicks in. I'm scared. I'm not healthy physically, mentally. I lose like 20 pounds. Right so my friends are seeing me at lunch like not eating my foot is tapping like it's visibly like against the the, the table right yeah. like my hands are shaking you can see yeah. the veins popping out of my arms like my teachers are low key concerned but, or maybe I don't remember but like yeah. I was physically not well right yeah. because I was so scared of losing my friends. I worked so hard to bounce back and trying to find myself and find my voice. And as they're going through stuff and as they're kind of developing socially and getting new friends, it's like, well, where does that leave me? So I remember very vividly um, summer going into junior year. And junior year is where everything really hit the fan. Um, Bobby mm-hmm. and I go to Myrtle Beach on vacation. with at um, My Uncle Phil has a beach house. And this was actually... My 16 and a half birthday in a day, August 17th, whatever the year was. It was the first time I got drunk, actually. So shout out to Uncle Phil for giving me like four quarters of light. I threw up the next morning. But <laughs> the, the <laughs> night- <laughs> so the, the night before, right, like I'm breaking down what happened freshman year to Bobby. I'm pretty much putting it all out on the table saying this is what happened. This is what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that Ross is going to get popular. He's going to bring you with him and leave me behind. And Bobby was just like, he got it, right? He had the wherewithal to understand. And just a few months before, like in July, the month before, the three of us, me, Bobby, and Ross, and my parents went to Cooperstown to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So the three of us were tight. So yeah. he's trying to tell me, there's nothing visibly there for you to be concerned about. And I was like, you would tell me if, you, if there was. And he go, absolutely. And I trusted Bobby. I trusted Ross too, but like, you know.
0: So hang on. So Bobby got it.
2: He got it. He got God, it. So he understood, my, he understood my psyche, right? And he was years mature above yeah. his age at that time. And he actually just got engaged. Or shout out to my friend Bobby. I haven't talked to him in a few years. Yo, weeks, what's up, Bobby? So he just got engaged to his high school sweetheart. So I'm very happy for him. Um, but yeah, so he, he got it. He understood where I was coming from. He understood my concerns. He understood what I went through. So he was my rock. So that was the ultimate reassurance. But going into junior year, you know, I think we had a few more group of friends you know, Bobby's girl, uh, Ross's girlfriend was someone I worked with and, you know, there was another group of girls and things got a little iffy there and there was a different group of friends, Phil, um, and a few other people. Now I'm going to mess up the details here a little bit, but there was a group of girls who essentially just didn't like me, right? For the reasons I mentioned before, I was annoying, I was a loser, you know, I was shaking at the lunch table, you know, <laughs> like whatever. We're and- yours. And, and you're in high school. Right. But, and, and, yeah, I get it. it and is, and, it's, and it's I'm, cold, giving, I'm still yeah. constantly giving this reassurance seeking behavior to Bobby and Ross. And there is a few times where it's just like, Will, we need a break from you. Like you can be, they told me this literally, like you are very mentally exhausting. And that crushed me. Like I was so upset. And like it got into another like texting back and forth for hours and, like, I had this thing where I had to text them every single day and get a message from them every single day, both of them, right? So it's like a Snapchat streak. <laughs> so that psychologically really did a number on me too because there wasn't a day that went by for, like, two or three years where I did not text these people because it literally made – it literally was a weight off of my shoulders because it made me feel better. But it didn't, but it did. So that was just going through my mind constantly. And there no, were little, no, Go ahead. No, this, this, is, this is heavy. It's complex, right? it's if it's confusing yeah. to you, try going through that through puberty. No, right? It's, it's not, looking it's back, it's still confusing to me. But this is what happened. This is what I did to myself. And that's I mean, I where you can feel sorry for me. That I did this shit to myself. These friends were just friends of mine, right? They just wanted to be you my friends. Control, like, listen. <laughs> dude,
0: you you can't listen. I don't have a degree in anything other than like whatever I do for a living. Like you can't control these outbursts these needs right these these you know i need reassurance i i, I need you know and yes man to the person on the other side it could be mentally like exhausting be like yo will take a breath bro like it's, it's okay but you don't know that and you know like a constant like i i need re everyone needs reassurance you're doing a good job you're looking good today da, 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 you're smart blah 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 but i think people and in your case took it to the nth degree right you took it to a different level where your friends are now saying yo well man we like you but like you need to you need to step back a little bit right
1: Well, I think it was that we all have attention-seeking behavior. We all tend to, like, engage in attention-seeking behavior because we have moments where we feel insecure. Perhaps what ended up happening was the anxiety had come back so strong that you weren't able to, like, pull yourself out of that behavior, right? Like, I had a huge anxiety attack yesterday, and Mark literally probably could not even deal with me texting him and finally was like, chill out and then called me and basically had to like yell me into, you're doing fine. You're gonna be okay. Will you just breathe through it, right? And I sort of feel like the difference also is, uh, I'm 51 years old, right? And on some level, I don't give a shit. I've lived life. I need to do what I need to do. You were a kid, right? And there was so much trauma.
2: And, so, and not only that, my grades were slipping. My relationship with my parents were miserable. You know, there was my mom would call it. We missed the old William, and there were glimpses of William coming back. So I had a job. My first job was um, at Linden Ponds, assisted living facility. I was a waiter serving old people, and I loved that job. That I was going to say it must have been perfect for you it because was, uh, yes, because you're dealing with people who are doing you know, <laughs> dying. You know, <laughs> yeah, well. Oh, awesome, I didn't man. I didn't think of it like that. But honestly, yeah. like I loved talking to the residents. It was a resident I called the Riddler. He would give me riddles and then we would have to yeah. figure them out in the kitchen. But my point of bringing that up is that was my escape. Work was my escape where I could go. Nothing like school. None of these kids went to my school. So I could have friends there that I mm. could talk to and hang out with. And the old William was back. I would pick mm. up extra shifts to get out of the fucking house and go mm. with my friends. Right? Mm. and. But that, and I tried so hard to get that to bleed over, like, hey, guys, like, can I hang out with you? Like, I remember telling my friends, I was like, hey, man, like, I know you, like, you, you go to school in Weymouth, but like, can I hang out with you and your friends? He was like, dude, don't ask me that. That's weird. I was like, why? I'm like, we're friends. This, I need, I'm trying to get a new friend. I was very blunt with him. I'm like, I'm trying to get a new friend group, like, help a brother out. He's like, well, I like you. You're fun. We can hang out like with all our Lyndon Pond friends, but like bring you into a new group of friends. It's just, it's just weird. And I was like, I don't get it, but okay. Right, fine. My
0: kids, my kids would say that's cringy, Dad. Cringy, like, sure.
2: Right, it was, a little, cringy. It, was, it was a little desperate, right? It was a little desperate. But that was my escape, right? I had, I had a few escapes. But the point I bring this up is, William was gone. Right, like I would go to New Jersey and visit my family, which was, to this day, still when I'm the happiest. I love hanging out with my cousins and my family in New Jersey. Where in Jersey are they? Uh, Summit. They're in Summit. And a few of them are scattered all over the place, but the, our, our central HQ is in Summit. Like, I want to buy a house in Summit one day. Um, but, like, my aunt and uncles would notice. My cousins would notice. And they'd go to my mom and be like, hey, what's what's wrong with William? So that yeah. puts pressure on my mother going like, okay, something is clearly wrong with William. Motherly instincts are kicking in. I have to help. And her helping and me not wanting to help, us butting heads even more and more, is putting more restraint on me Physically, emotionally, and mentally, which is then bleeding over into my friend, which is bleeding into my schoolwork. Because I want to get into college. But I know where things can be better, right? So all of that is going through my head at once, and I and broke. 15. And yeah. I'm 16. And well, this is now summer of 2012. So summer mm-hmm. going into senior year. I am now 17, mm-hmm. and this is where things. This is the tipping point. This is where and you thing, just got drunk at your uncle Phil's. That was the year. That was the summer before. That was the summer before. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. So, What's, but this. Yeah. This this is where – now, this is where this still keeps me up at night, and I still go, fuck, I shouldn't have done that, right? This, this is where the burden I'm going to carry for the rest of my life happens. So it's summer. I don't remember exactly what tipped this off, but if I had to guess, it was I found out that Bobby and Ross were hanging out without me, right? They needed a break from me. And essentially what happened is I found out and – I just, I freaked out. I just, I blew up on both of them. I lost it. And I made a threat and a promise. And basically, this is the text that changed my life forever. So the text went along the lines of something. I'm going to find the both of you tomorrow. I'm going to grab a knife. I'm going to use it. And then I'm going to use it on myself. Basically, along no. those lines, and, and you tested this. I put this in writing <laughs> to both of them, and as soon as I sent it, I knew like that there was no turning back. Right, that's it. It's over. It is just it's over. Now let me also let me be clear here. I did, was not going to do it. I had no plan. I had no intention. It was just a spur of moment thing. But I did it. Right. I can't take that back ever. Now so that's a call for help, man. Exactly. I, exactly. It's exactly oh, wow. what it was. That is exactly yeah. what it was. But tech, did, they, did they see it as such? Yeah, oh, yeah. So after I sent that text, I just went past my parents. I made, a, I made a note to go by my parents and went up to my room, which it was like maybe 9 o'clock on a Friday, which never happened. So my mom immediately, something was up. Now, she got a text message from one of their mothers, Bobby or Ross. I don't know which one it was. They got a text message from one of their parents. So, clearly, they went to their parents, and their parents went to my parents. My mom comes upstairs. She's crying, and she goes, Will, we're going to the hospital. Like, like, right the fuck now. Like, get your ass up. We're going to the hospital. I didn't argue. I didn't debate. I didn't say a word. What was going on? I got up. I got in the car, and I went to the hospital. Now, Dude, dude, Will, take some water.
0: Take a breath. That's fucking emotional, dude. Yeah. And, And, like, well, I didn't know about any of that text, neither did Christine. Yeah, and, I held
2: that from okay. you guys because I, I I don't like talking about this, obviously, okay. right? Like, yeah. this is a very, very sore spot for me. There are a few people in my life who know, but, like, my girlfriend doesn't know. We've been dating for three years. If she heard it right now, she's the first she's heard of it. She's in the yeah. other room. Or she's going to hear it on the podcast, right? Like. All All right, well, I
1: hope you have a talk with her before the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
0: I, 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 I mean, yeah.
2: I, I I tell like listen, there's the biggest secret of my life that you don't know, and this this is it, right? And now so, so wait, hey, on, will.
0: So your buddies, Bobby and Ross, obviously care deeply for you.
2: Absolutely. And cared
0: deeply for you. And that show
2: is moving forward. So this that that's that's rock bottom. That that is officially but, rock bottom. Now it's moving back
0: up. They get this text. And they were probably scared for you. Not right. not really for themselves initially, it's like, but they were scared for you. And they went to their parents and they are like, I think Will's gonna hurt himself. You know, he doesn't hurt us. I think he's gonna hurt himself. So as if I if my kid had that conversation with me, my emotional parent side like, wouldn't be, I'm gonna go out and kick Willie T's ass. Right? It wouldn't be. My emotions, I would be like, something's wrong. And this kid needs help. Right. And I wouldn't be angry at you for doing that. that. Mm-hmm. I would be like, that is a cry for help. And I'm glad it happened. And I'm glad my kid came to me. Yes. And I'm glad your mom went to you and took you by the, your scruff in your mm-hmm. and your ear and said, boom, we're out. Take us from there, dude.
2: Yeah. And, um, yeah, both Bobby and Ross's parents were very understanding. My mom talked to both of them. She had a relationship sort of with one of uh, with Ross's mom, more with Bobby's mom, and like you know, they reassured her because I was seventeen. They could have pressed charges easily for sure, okay. like no doubt. They it was never going to happen, as far as I know. There was never a yeah. conversation, but they easily could have. Right, And my life could have been upside down. So instead, we go to the hospital. You know, the doctor's talking to me. I told him I had no plan. Actually, I remember Ross texted me after I sent that text. He's like. He's like, Will, no, you're not. Like, and just in case you are, I'm going to have my knife on me and I'm going to be ready. And I was just like, yeah, I would never take Ross down, right? Ross is bigger than me. He's a lot bigger than me. Was Ross messing with you a little bit? Was he trying to make light of the
0: situation? Or no, just- I
2: think he was serious. He's like, Will, if you fuck with me, I'm going to fuck you up. So I okay, think he was okay. very, very serious. So right. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But those are the details I remember. And so right. I'm in the hospital and... I'm there for a few hours, and they go, we're going to bring you inpatient uh, for three, 72 hours, psych ward. Um, mm-hmm. So I go into Boston. I think it's Children's Hospital. I don't know the exact hospital, yeah. but I'm, I'm there. I'm there for yeah. three days. I say bye to my parents. They put me in all white, whatever the fuck they put me in, and yeah. I'm in the hospital. I talk to a psychiatrist. I, you know, I think at that time I was seeing a psychologist, like a shrink. Yeah. Um, we switched because clearly it wasn't good enough. Um, yeah. And that's where I pretty much started seeing some real problems, like with other people. And that's where we come to my zero hour. And that is really where it all begins and where things start to turn around. And then how eventually, you know, I was on the way back and how that tipped off and capped off with my career in podcasting. So I don't know if you want to. D- divert there, ask a question, and kind of get how I got there. But I don't know where we want to go from here. Right. Well,
0: well, I'm, I'm still like, I'm still processing. Yeah, it's right? a lot,
2: right? It's, it's a lot. Still it's
0: processing hard. the notes and Bobby's response, or was it Ross or Bobby? I don't, I have no,
2: I have no idea whose mother texted. I, don't, uh, I have no idea who told who. Not a clue. Well,
0: well, listen, three days in the hospital, right? Uh, what the hell? Does,
2: what what is what is that like at 17, three days in a hospital? Oh. oh, it was awesome. I'm not what? I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that that's totally not the answer you expected, but no. it it was it was awesome. It was exactly what I needed. It was exactly precisely what I needed. Mm. I remember like the day or two after my mom my mom and dad came in with my brother and they're like, How mm. are you? I'm like, I feel a lot better. Like this is this is where I need to be. I remember saying mm. that, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And the reason was, so how the days worked, um, we would wake up, eat breakfast, have, like, group therapy, individual therapy, and, like, you, we're talking to these kids. These kids were all also minors. So one kid had, like, an alcohol alcoholic mother. The other one might have had her own kid who she didn't have custody over. You know, the other kid had a drug problem. I remember he was wearing a red T-shirt and gray sweatpants talking about how he had a drug problem. And I just go, oh, shit. Like, this is... These are problems. And I'm over here talking about, yeah, my, I'm afraid my friends don't like me. So it's embarrassing. Like, I was embarrassed to be in this group of people who had real problems. And I really hope they got help and I really hope they're doing better. I hope that girl has her kid back today, right? Like, these guys had issues to work with. And I'm over here looking at, I am not a victim. I am the cause of my own problems. Like, these people are the victims. These people are the ones who need help. So do not feel sorry for me. Still, I do not want you to feel sorry for me. I am not telling you the story to feel sorry for me. I am telling the story because podcasting is a thing that got me out of this funk. So when people ask me, why do you want to career in podcasting? I'm gonna give them this story. This is really the reason why. And it started with that zero hour of being around kids my age with real problems getting real solutions and putting it all into perspective. And that's why I found Flo Rida. That, that song, My House, was like always playing on the radio. That was what's popping. So I always associate that song with my time in the hospital.
0: Yeah, that time in the house by Flo Rida.
2: Yeah. What? Welcome to my oh, no, house. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that song. So like there's three things I always remember from that hospital. I had to be there, these kids with problems, and Flo Rida.
0: Listen, I I, I would be remiss if if I didn't make a comment on your comment, they had real problems. You didn't, your problem was you didn't have friends. Yeah. I think that in of its, dude, mental, um, listen, mental illness, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know, you know, I don't know how to characterize it, but that's like, you know, it's like the unseen illness, right? Just because you are addicted to drugs, Uh, or you have alcohol problems or whatever, it doesn't mean that your problem is any, like, like, dude, depression is an illness, right? Um, So I think there's different levels of coping mechanisms, and I think there's different levels of problems. Listen, dude, you're in a facility because you have a problem, right? And just because the problem wasn't drugs or alcohol doesn't mean it's any less detrimental to your health. I had I just had
2: to, I had a yeah. right, right. No, I, I yeah I, I shouldn't I shouldn't downplay my own problem but yeah I had a I had a problem that's why I say I I needed to be there right but in okay. in in perspective it was just like your problem on the scale of problems
0: Agreed.
2: it's not Agreed. the same it's not comparable and that was what I needed to see and that is from after that I got out of the hospital um I saw a different shrink they put me on new medication yeah. And uh, Bobby, actually, you know, Ross sent a text to my phone because I had my phone on me, obviously. Yeah. Sent a text to my phone because they knew I was in the hospital. They were they were yeah. in, in line. and uh, yeah. he sent me a text somewhat saying like, "Listen, we're like like we know we hope you get better. Be and Bobby love you, and like we're going into senior year, and like it's our senior year, and we can kind of have the perspective of it's our, like my senior year, but no, like, it's it's our senior year. And, Like we want you to get better. We love you, and like you know we're we're rooting for you. We're still on your team. Like essentially, no hard feelings. And I, my dad read me that text when I was in the hospital. So the fact that Bright they were tears.
0: cool. Right, you tears, I'm sure, man. It yeah.
2: You yeah, yeah, it was, again, but, like, it was reassuring, which is a good and a bad thing, right? That's with people with anxiety. But, like, I, I left the hospital knowing that, like, I didn't just ruin my life. Like, I had a second chance now. My dad told me that right. when, on the car ride home. He's like, you got a second chance. Now, don't blow it because next time, there's not going to be a next time. I'm not doing this again. Now it's like, I'm never going to be there again. So, yeah, that was that was my zero hour. That's one of many. Um, you got to hit
0: rock bottom sometimes in order to, like, get lifted up. Well, it's funny because
2: I got lifted up immediately after. So that summer, I didn't tell you guys this either during the actual, uh, when we did our, our pre-screening. So yeah. um, literally a week later, like, I got out of the hospital. It might have been, like that, like, that next week I had a journalism camp that I had to apply to to get into at Emerson School. Yeah, and yeah. I, went, I knew I wanted to be a journalism major. I needed something to stand out on a resume. So my mom, God bless her, found this program, and I applied. And um, it started the week after I got, to the, I got out of the hospital. So my mom and dad were like, do we, do we let him go? Like, yeah. do we reward yeah. him with this bad behavior by going to a journalism camp on campus for two weeks, living in the dorms? And God bless him, they let me go because my mom, God bless her, knew how important that was going to be on a resume. And it was, it's probably the reason I got into Hofstra, to be honest. And during those two weeks,
0: Long Island, say in Hofstra, nope. okay, I got
2: it. it was Emerson in Boston. So I, I had two weeks of tasting what college was like. And in there, I can tell you that another zero hour, um, we're on a rooftop and it's the first time I smoked weed. It's the first time I smoked a cigarette. It's the first time I smoked anything it was just, it was a spliff? It was combined. So like I'm with my friends that I made in this journalism group. We're high on a rooftop and things kind of clicked and we're walking home and I go, oh, this is awesome. Like I can't wait to go to college because I know once I get to college, I'm going to be okay. I just need to get through senior year and I'm going to be yep. okay. And it took some time through college, but that's what happens. You know, those, are my, those are my two zero hours. One, being in the hospital. And two, having know. that taste of college literally a week and a half, two weeks later. And it's crazy how life works like that. It's absolutely you know, crazy.
0: Your your parents made an amazing decision to send you after it rock bottom to, I'm sure it was hard for them. Like not, yeah. but, and not that you misbehave. I don't see it as a misbehavior. I see it as a, a life event, right? Like Jesus, you know? Um, but the fact that they trusted you right and and put you on this path again right uh to go to this journalism school to help out your cb to do all these things i'm sure they were like this i don't know kind of biting your fingers going oh shit. you know it's, it's gonna be safe it's gonna be cool which i think is an amazing choice in you know re- in retrospect right um christine
1: i i have so many questions yes i know
0: i've been, no. I've been, I've been uh,
1: really patient um my questions really revolve around advice you would give to young people knowing what you know now. And I mean, you're still a kid, Will. How old are you? You're you're not thirty years old yet, are you? I'm
2: I'm twenty-eight years old.
1: Okay. You're twenty eight years stuff. old. And understanding what you know now, thinking about your zero hours that happened at crucial sort of growth periods, right? And I work with I work with teens just about to go to college. That's my mainstay. So I I can imagine that there are going to be so many young people who are are of the population that I work with, who might benefit from words of advice and perspective, whether it's about the paranoia that goes into what it means to fit in and find community and a sense of belonging, which, by the way, is so, so important, right, to what do you do when you feel like you need to start fresh and you're afraid and you're not sure about what the future holds? Like what, what kind of advice can, can that person who's been through all that you've been through give to young people first and foremost?
2: Well, I think the hardest part for anybody who goes through what I got, went through is forgiving yourself. Like I, I forgive the bullies who, in, from freshman year, you know, senior year, we buried that hatchet, and I forgive all of them, which is why I didn't want to focus too much on them because it's not their story, right? It's my story. Um, I. For- it's much
1: harder to forgive yourself, though, right? It is. Well, it's it is. Is easy to forgive others. And
2: I forgive myself for almost everything. The one thing I'm never going to forgive myself is sending that text to begin with because even at 17, you know, I had the wherewithal to know that That's never an appropriate thing to say. And yes, well, it was a call for help. And no, I never had took that seriously. Like I hold myself to a very high standard, even to this day. And while I know I'm never going to do something like that again, I can never take that back. And I'm still working on forgiving myself for that. And I'm hoping telling the story in this way on this podcast is a way for me to do that because now it's publicly out there forever on the internet. So have at it internet, but The hardest part is forgiving yourself and learn to forgive yourself and don't shut out the ones that love you. Like I understand if you're a teenager, you don't want mom and dad to help. There are appropriate ways for them to help. Even that's just telling them, hey, I'm okay. And I told my parents I'm okay millions of times. They just didn't believe me because I wasn't okay. So you need to find a way to show the ones who love you and support you that you are okay without telling them literally, And that's a hard line to walk and that's very hard to do and I wish I did it better. Um, But, and I got lucky. I got lucky I had a support system from people all around me. and I still have that support system and it still amazes me how many people support me in my life. So, leverage those assets of people who support you and know that if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling scared, emotions are temporary. All of them. I still get anxious. I still get that reassurance seeking behavior sometimes. Very, very rarely. But, I just wait for it to pass. And sometimes I got to tell my loved ones, listen, man, I'm in a funk. Give me two or three days. I'm still going to do my job. But if, like, if, I, if you see me at work and I'm quiet in the back, not being joyous and making jokes and farting or whatever, like, no, I'm okay, but it's going to take me a few days for like this anxiety state and the thoughts in my head to just pass. Sometimes my thoughts are like cars on a highway. You just got to wait for that traffic to bumper to bumper to go away the
0: fact that you can talk about and tell people that and say, hey, I know myself now, right? Yeah. I got control over this funk, right? I get like that too. I'm like, yo, just don't mess with me for like the next like 24 hours. Well, that's like, the whole
2: point. You don't have control. I don't have control. If you can fully, fully control your emotions, you probably aren't human. Because like I said, anxiety is an emotion. It's a feeling. Yeah. And that yeah. passes, just like joy passes, just like anger passes, just like fear passes, just like yeah. insert emotion here passes. Anxiety yeah. also passes. Just takes a little longer. It takes a little more practice.
1: What is your practice? What does your practice look like? And 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 I and I use that just because that was the word that that yeah. stuck for me. Um, are there particular things you do? Like today I had to be up and on a yoga mat in a studio half an hour from my house at five 30 in the morning. And man, when I got off that mat, I felt like a million bucks. Like I felt like a completely different person and much more like myself again. And it was a reminder, right? Mm -hmm. So what does will Tara Like, this is what I need to do to be fully in my own body in a way that feels comfortable to me to get through each day?
2: Sometimes I just got to keep doing my regular routine, right? Like, if I, I, there's very, very rarely where I'm depressed where I just sit on the couch and do nothing. Right? Like, I, I very much am someone who is like, I just need to push through. Like, if I'm struggling with something, I just got to push through and keep doing the next thing. And that thing is usually podcasting. That thing is usually editing podcasts, scheduling a podcast, doing something around podcasting. Like, podcasting is my center and like the other zero hour is starting this podcast because it makes me a way better communicator. It makes me a better person to like express how I'm feeling with others as well as with myself. It makes me a better thinker, right? Like you it's guys your create, it's your creative outlet. It's my creative outlet. Exactly. Right. So, but this is also like work for me and my wrestling podcast, which is completely fun and ridiculous. So like I try and find those things that resemble normalcy and I wait for these feelings to pass. Like, it's not like, I'm not like you, Christine. I can't just go do yoga. I'm going to feel better. Some people can go to the gym and, f- <laughs> and, and feel better. Seriously. Like, yeah, at, like no, work, I do. Work, I, working do out right? is I walk in a the woods f- and I feel better. Working out is a phenomenal way to do that. Trying meditation is a phenomenal way to do that. For me, it's just waiting. Seriously. And it's going about my business. It's just waiting for it to pass. And it always mechanism. does. It's coping yeah. mechanism. Yeah. It's just, it's accepting it. It's accepting that this is what's happening right now. Don't overreact. Don't freak out. Just wait. Is that the advice
1: that you would give to your younger self prior to that zero hour? (sighs) Like if you could go back in time and heal that inner child that was screaming for help, right? And that ended up needing to be taken to the hospital. Yeah. Is there something you would say to that child, right, that might, in the wisdom of your years today, have alleviated some of the pain and some of the sort of steps that you took that you regret today?
2: You know, I don't think there's anything you could have told me that would have changed my mind because I knew the answer, right? I knew once I get to college, things are going to be okay. I just had to get there. So if I, could, if I could go in a time machine with a DVD player and show my younger self, like freshman year of high school, sophomore year of high school, junior high school specifically, here's where your life's going to be in college. Here's a video of you at a party. It, it wouldn't have mattered because life sucked right now. There was nothing that would have made my life better in that moment. There's nothing anyone could have told me. So no, probably not because, okay. because I knew the answer. It's just I had to wait. I just had to get there. Right, I had to, I had to hope I wasn't going to ruin my life before then, and I almost did. So,
0: you know, that's that's not the response I thought I would hear.
2: What'd you right? think? What'd you think I was going to say?
0: Because because some
2: some sometimes there isn't a magic wand that can just fix all your problems. I, I I
0: agree, but what would I tell my younger self? I would tell my younger self, bruh, it's going to pass. Exactly. Right. you See, but, but I knew
2: that. I knew that. So it, you, I wouldn't have told myself anything I didn't already know or believe. So that's the difference. You, you can tell, your, you can tell your yourself that's, whatever you that's want. That's
1: huge that you knew that it would pass. Because mm-hmm. I don't think if I were in your situation, like I don't think I would have thought it was going to pass. I mean, yeah. like yesterday, I thought I was going to be like rolled up in a ball in a corner of my house. Like you I are, was I like, a
0: complete mess. Weren't you at some point? Drooling. <laughs> 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 Almost, almost right. but
1: like, you know, and I'm 51 years old. Right. So I, you know, I feel like
2: I would have, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I don't even know if I would have said, don't send that text because I saying that text got me where I am. Yeah, right. As, as terrible as that sounds, as much as I regret mm-hmm. it, and I'm going to carry that burden probably for the rest of my life. Well, you need to let that go. I'm sorry, Will, but it, you can't carry that burden because
1: that burden is going to burden you down for the yeah. rest of well, your it's, life. It's, so it's much, my advice much to you is you need to give yourself some grace and understand that you were, what, a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid who yeah. didn't know any better and give that kid a break and forgive him so that that kid can move on, not hold on to that, right? Yeah.
0: If Chris Rock <laughs> can forgive Will whatever his name Will is, Smith. Yeah, and when, not be uh, a victim. Exactly. Then you can forgive yourself. Easier right. said than done. All right, y'all. Hang on a second. Um, I'm starving. I got to eat some food. Thank you, man. Thank you for sharing some really deep, fucking personal yeah. shit. Right? Uh, well, it's, it's, be
2: it's, it's been a long time coming. Like I said, this is a story I want to share. I originally plan on doing it on a solo show, but after doing a few of those, I was like, "That's that's not how it's gonna work, man." I mean, like it, it that this this story doesn't ruin my life. It doesn't take up too much real estate in my mind. It's like I'll be sitting there playing a video game and it'll just pop in my head and I'll be like, damn, I did that. And then it's gone. Ooh,
0: right.
2: It's like this, it's just like every now and then I think like, I'm in a shower. It's just like, Oh man, I did that. And I think about it for like three seconds and then it's gone. Right. It just, it passes. Now,
0: Chris, Christine says to me a lot, I'm, I, believe it or not, I, I have very high strung moments. So I'm not a really high strung person. I have high strung moments. And her, her note to me is like, dude, you need to give yourself some grace. And she's like, you need to stop being so damn hard on yourself. And that like, you're, you're doing all the right things, taking all the right steps. But it's not until I feel it can I give myself grace, right? Yeah. So what she's saying to you is, don't let that shit eat you up, man. Like, give yourself yeah. some fucking grace. And that's going to take time. And it's going to take emotional maturity. And only when you're ready, Will, will you fucking give yourself grace. Yeah.
2: And I think that's the reason I want to tell the story in the full detail, right? Like I wanted to hold out that one key detail, but you guys were like, "Hey man, if you gotta tell a story, you gotta tell a story." So after yeah. our call, I literally drafted up a whole email telling you that pretty much that whole story. But I, was I, like, you know, I like, remember, uh, but I, I ended up deleting it. I was just like, "I'll, I'll, I change, or I change it heavily, right?" But it's like, okay, I gotta actually tell the story. And there's been a few moments of weakness where I've told a few people that story, and but it is like. It is my big, deepest, darkest secret as a human. It really is. That's something I don't like talking about willy-nilly. But it's, you know, it's my story. I got to own it. And, yeah. Know, yeah. It, is, it is getting to rock bottom to bring me to where I am today. And I do truly believe that podcasting and that expression, that creative outlet and now turning into like a career for me is what got me back to 100%. It took some time. like It was like 30%, 40%, 50% through sophomore year of college. But once the podcast happened and I joined a fraternity, it revamped very quickly. And as my senior college, it was at 100%. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, thank you. Um, gotta, thank you for sharing. Yeah, he,
2: i got you to right now. <laughs> i need to dinner and have beer. Right. All right. All right, guys. Thank um, you very much for letting me do this. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah, that will be a wrap. We'll call it a wrap right there.